0: This morning we are looking at verse 6. We have been making our way through the Beatitudes uh, and we have seen that Christ makes all the difference that apart from Christ the Beatitudes are just wishful thinking. To tell those who are poor in spirit that they inherit the kingdom of God makes no sense at all unless there is a kingdom of God and someone who knows how to get us there. It makes no sense at all to tell those who mourn that they will be comforted unless there is someone who can do something about the grief and who can restore the heart to the joy intended for it. It makes no sense to talk to the meek and to tell them that they will inherit the promised land unless there is one who can fulfill the promise and give the inheritance. And So we've seen that in the uh, Beatitudes, They really focus on Christ. They're meaningless apart from Christ. And so this morning we come to that beatitude in verse 6 that says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Now, I want to tell you that I am keenly aware that today is Easter Sunday. I have not lost sight of that fact. I know that we are celebrating the resurrection of Christ today as we do every time we gather together for worship. I'm very much aware of the fact that the glory of the resurrected Lord is among us and that our whole attention this morning in song and praise and worship and scripture and now in sermon is being given to the fact that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. So I haven't lost sight of the fact that we are really talking about Easter this morning. It's just that I bring you this Easter text. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is the Easter story. I submit to you that the entire sweep of the cross, the death, the burial, and then the resurrection is found here in these verses. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be satisfied. Come with me for a moment as we join the women leaving their homes in the early dawn darkness. They know the way for they were there when Jesus was laid in the tomb. They know how to get there because they saw and they heard the crushing sound of a stone being rolled across the entrance of the cave. They know where they are going because they watched Jesus die. They bring with them perfume and spices so that they might honor the body, the dead body of their Lord. They bring the spices and the perfumes so that they might render one last time a sense of love and devotion, even though he is now dead, even though the promise of the kingdom seems gone, even though now all the hopes and dreams that they had that this was the Messiah have been shattered. Come with me as we walk with these women to the tomb that holds the body of Jesus. Why do they come? Why are they coming? They each have a peculiar story to tell. We know that Mary Magdalene would tell us a story that goes something like this. My life was shackled in the bondage of evil spirits. Before we got through counting, there were seven that had gained control of my life. And while we don't know the details of it, we know for a fact that her life was in the bondage of uncleanliness, in the bondage of evil, in the bondage of spirits that were working in her for no other purpose but to destroy her. She could not enjoy the blessings of God. She could not enjoy the promise of life. She could not enjoy... All that God meant for her, created in his image. Mary Magdalene would tell us, though, that the day came when, in the midst of her struggling, a man walked into her field of vision. His voice spoke to her and with authority commanded those unclean spirits to come out of her and they fled from the power of Jesus Christ. She was made whole for the first time since she could not remember. Her life now had meaning, purpose, direction. She would tell you, I come to the tomb of my dead friend Jesus because of what he did for me in delivering me in my life. You see there are people who hunger and thirst for righteousness in ways that they don't even know. They know that life ought to be more than it is. And they know that life should be fuller and more complete than it is. And deep down within there is a gnawing ache that says, my life is in the wrong place. And though they may not give it this kind of description, yet they will say in so many words, I am longing to see righteousness in my life. There is so much going wrong. I want to see the right. if this morning you haven't been able to give a name to the ache within you, if this morning you have not been able to understand why it is that you have a hungering and a thirsting, you have a longing that life would be put right again, you are blessed. Your life is about to become beautiful. You are blessed because it is an evidence of the work of the holy spirit of god in your life that he has not allowed you to be content in the degradation of sin he has not allowed you to be happy in the brokenness of willful rebellion he has not allowed you to be satisfied and satiated with all the things of the world but god has given to you a hunger and a thirsting for righteousness how blessed you are because i tell you this morning you will be satisfied when you come to Jesus Christ why did these women come because even before they knew him there was a sense within their hearts that they needed him and so even as non-believers The grace of God was working in their lives. Why did they come? They were coming because they had witnessed so great an injustice. Jesus of Nazareth crucified. And all how it seemed as though the very righteousness of God had been put to death. He knew no sin. Why did they crucify him? Did they crucify him because he healed the sick? Because he cleansed the leper? Did they crucify him because he brought light to the blind and music to the deaf? Did they crucify him because when in the midst of death he spoke of life? Why did they crucify him? Over his head they had nailed a placard that said, This Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, and they would not have a king. Jesus of Nazareth, King, and we will not have him as king. And so they took him who knew no sin. They crucified him, and we know that our sin was placed upon him. Oh, how they laughed and mocked at him. This Jesus, look at him now. This Jesus, who spoke of the glory of God, look at him now. And the religious leaders congratulated themselves that they had come up with a viable solution to the problem of Jesus. They congratulated themselves that no more would they have to put up with this man who confronted them with their own hypocrisy. They congratulated themselves as they watched him die. But Jesus on the cross, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, is the very righteousness of God. Jesus Christ is the very righteousness of God. Of the Father put on display for us, manifest for us, that we could see him, that we could understand what the righteousness of God really means. That Jesus had been crucified and now his body lay in the tomb. These women loved him and so with the pain and the ache in their hearts, with a hungering for righteousness, they came to the tomb of the one who was the living bread. And thirsting for righteousness, they came to the tomb of the one who is the living water. They had known him in his earthly ministry, but now it seemed as though all that was no more. They came to the tomb and perhaps as they walked and the sun just began to come up over the horizon, Maybe they heard a rumbling. It was a sound that they had heard before. And they had to think about it. But then they remembered they had heard that exact same sound when they had rolled the stone before the cave entrance where Jesus was buried. They had heard that rumbling before. And so now they hear that faint rumbling again. And they don't quite understand what it is. But it jogs their mind and their thinking. And they turn to one another. Who will roll the stone away? Because we know that once death has sealed the tomb, life is no more. And once death has sealed the grave, there is no more. And they came with no better hope than this, simply to anoint the body of the righteousness of God. They came around the corner and they couldn't believe what they saw They didn't say anything to one another, but looking they realized that the stone was rolled away that the entrance was open for them. Their first response was, yes, now we can honor the body of our Lord who was crucified. They went into the tomb prepared to do that last act of honor, but they could not find the body. They looked to the right. They looked to the left. They went deeper into the tomb. They did not find the body of Christ. Suddenly, two men appeared to them in dazzling white apparel. They, these women like you and I would have. They fell to their knees, they looked to the ground and the men said, wait a minute, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Folks, why have you spent your life hungering and thirsting after righteousness among the dead? Why have you looked for the fulfillment of what life ought to be all about among the dead? Why have you listened to the culture? Why have you listened to society? Why have you listened to humanistic philosophy? Why have you listened to the purveyors of lust? Why have you listened to those who told you that things and stuff could somehow substitute for the very presence of God in your heart? Why have you looked for the righteousness of God among the dead? He's not here. Look. Over there is where they laid him. He's not here. He has risen. And suddenly the entire universe turned upside down. Suddenly a universe where death was the last word was now defeated. Suddenly a universe where the grave put an end to all hope was defeated. Suddenly, a universe in which at best you could hope for a happy, minuscule span of time in which to be happy, suddenly that universe was turned upside down, and suddenly eternity was real. Eternity loomed large. The eternal nature of the glory of God, the eternal righteousness of God suddenly blossomed forth. Why? Because He's not here, He is risen. They didn't know what to make of it. You don't either. And so they went out of the tomb, and some of the women ran to tell the the disciples that he was risen. They didn't understand it either, Peter and John. They had a race to see who could get there first. John got there first, peeked inside the door, but then Peter, who was maybe a little bit impetuous, kept going right on in, came to a halt, looked around, saw only the grave clothes, and understood what had happened, and he believed. Oh, they went back to the room to tell others, but Mary lingered. She lingered still because it was too good to be true. She lingered still because her heart was still hungry and her soul was still thirsting for the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And as she was hungering and thirsting, She saw a man, her eyes dimmed with tears. She didn't recognize him until he spoke her name, Mary, and her life changed. Oh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. For when he speaks your name, you will be satisfied. You will be filled up to overflowing. You will be satiated with the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. For those of us who know him, we yet long for him. and There's a kind of ache inside of us whenever we see him mocked again. There's a pain deep within us when we see him ridiculed again. There's a deep agony within the heart of the believer who loves Jesus when they see him beaten down, laughed at, despised, and rejected again until there is a deep hunger and thirsting, that the righteousness of God would be revealed. But the cross is empty, and the tomb also is empty. This Jesus that they laid in the tomb is the same Jesus who came out of the tomb. This is the same Jesus who ascended into heaven This is the same Jesus who now sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. This is the same Jesus who is coming again to judge the quick and the dead. And when this Jesus comes, every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and seeing him at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And then those of us who have hungered and thirsted for the revelation of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus will be satiated, satisfied, and filled up by the righteousness of God. And now the power of the resurrection declares that we are the children of God. The power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, declared him to be the Son of God, and now bears with, witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and moves our spirit to cry out, Abba, Father. These women came because they believed in Jesus and they were satisfied. So when you are discouraged, and you think it's all lost, just remember this. He is risen. And when voices of evil and the rantings of wickedness and the clamorings of injustice threaten your life to tear you apart, just whisper to yourself, He is risen. And when the crowd would tempt you to join you in their sin, when the crowd would tell you that sin is somehow better for you, when the crowd tells you, that this sin is actually fulfilling when the crowd tells you that the greatest need in your life is to have this sin in your heart. When the crowd entices you to sin, stand before the crowd though none stand with you and simply tell them, He is risen. risen And in the valley of darkness, in the valley of deep darkness where death reigns supreme, In the valley of darkness where depression seems to be a monstrous weight you cannot shake. In the valley of deep darkness, cry out, He is risen. And and when by the grace of God you ascend into the bright sunshine of the plains of joy, then sing out with all your heart, He is risen. Oh, should we be dragged into the courts. Should they call upon us to give an apology, a defense of the hope that is within us. When they should ask us why we should live and not die. When the courts should accuse us of being followers with Jesus. Let this be our only defense. Let this be the only summation we have before judge and jury. This is our only plea that he is risen. He is risen. All mothers, whisper in the ears of your babies. The first time you hold him, he is risen. Whisper every day in the ear of your child, he is risen. There is no other message that will bring your child to the throne of the grace of the Heavenly Father. But this, whisper in the ear of your baby, He is risen. And fathers, teach your sons and teach your daughters that He is risen. Fathers, teach them by your example of a resurrected Newness of life. Fathers, teach your sons and your daughters by your language and expression. Fathers, teach your sons and daughters as they hear you pray. Fathers, teach your sons and daughters as you turn to the scriptures. Father, teach your sons and daughters when you come to the moment and you have nothing left to say. Teach your sons and daughters that he is risen. risen Oh, how sweet. When your child echoes back, Daddy, Mommy, He is risen indeed. Then you know the righteousness of God has descended upon your home and has inhabited the heart of your child. And then you know that this little one that you brought into the world, that you have prayed for, agonized for, this little one that you have sacrificed everything, that he might become what God wants him to be, this little child for whom you would give up your own life, that she might have life, this little one echoing back that he is risen, now you know. It is the risen Lord Jesus in your baby's heart. I might go on, but because Jesus is risen, when you have a hungering and a thirsting for righteousness in the life of your child, because Jesus is risen, you will be satisfied. This is the hunger that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. This is the desire that we have because we know him, though we have not seen him, and we love him, even unto death. Do you see now why this beatitude is the story of Easter? To hunger and thirst after righteousness is to hunger and thirst after Christ. To hunger and thirst after justice in the world is really to hunger that Christ would be honored in the world. To hunger and thirst after, after um, the um, bringing about of justice and fairness in the world only has meaning when it is a hungering and thirsting after Christ. You see, when you love him, you cannot stand to see those for whom he died abused and mistreated. When you love him, you cannot stand to see hatred triumph over love. When you love Jesus Christ and you hunger and you thirst for his righteousness in the world, you cannot stand to see prejudice triumphant You cannot stand to see bigotry ascendant. When you love Jesus Christ, greed becomes offensive to you. And avarice becomes a loathsome thing before you. When you love Jesus Christ, you long for his righteousness. And so the very thought of human trafficking is so offensive that you will not rest until it is eliminated from the face of the earth when you love jesus christ you cannot stand the very thought of institutionalized poverty and when you love jesus christ your heart aches and breaks at the thought of children sacrificed to the pleasure and the whims of adults When you love Jesus Christ, you hunger and you thirst for a righteousness that is beyond any political structure, beyond any economic, any ideology, beyond any sort of societal theory. When you love Jesus Christ, you long for a hope, you long for a righteousness, you thirst for a righteousness that can only come from the throne of the Heavenly Father. And he sends that righteousness to us through Jesus Christ. Christ who is risen from the dead. Oh, without Jesus, it's just a mirage. Without Jesus, the best you can hope for is a tiny uptick for a little bit of time in the sweep of human history. Without Jesus Christ, all you can hope for is a temporary oasis of justice in the downward spiral of the wickedness of the human heart. Apart from Jesus Christ, there can never be any eternal, everlasting justice. But blessed are you how happy you are, how beautiful your life is when your heart is aching and breaking because you have a hungering and a thirsting for the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, because you will be satisfied. How do we know this? We know it because he is risen. risen And so for those of you who hunger and thirst, I have good news for you. He's risen. So this longing, these pangs of hunger, this thirst are satisfied in Christ. The greatest injustice of history, the crucifixion of the sinless Son of God, turns us to the justice and the righteousness of God because he is risen. The the hunger you have for righteousness in your own life can only be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And when you turn to him by faith, he will do it because he is risen. And the longing and the thirsting you have to know Jesus more deeply will be satisfied because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Will you pray with me? Father, we take it as a sign of your grace toward us that we experience a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. When our hearts long to see justice, we know it is only because you have put within us this desire. Thank you whenever we have had even the smallest inclination toward the right, and thank you for the conviction of our hearts in our own wrongful and sinful injustice toward you and toward others. Give us now the faith to turn to you alone, that our lives would be satisfied in Christ Jesus. For we praise you especially today for the glory of his resurrection and the promise of our own. And we praise you for the certainty that your will for righteousness in the earth will be done because Jesus is is risen. And in his glorious name I pray, Amen. As we conclude our service, the Holy Spirit works in your heart and brings a conviction that you need to make a decision for Christ, respond quickly, respond obediently to the call of God's grace.